Hello, I'm Nance Haxton, and this is the Griffith University podcast, A Middle Ground. A Middle Ground provides independent analysis by Australia's best political scientists and policy researchers. While much of Australia's prosperity still comes from its regional heartland, rural issues have received little attention in this federal election campaign. This is despite recent devastating natural disasters across northwest Queensland, where more than 650,000 head of cattle were killed in catastrophic floods. Queensland's peak agriculture lobby group, AgForce, estimates the damage bill is now approaching $2 billion. It's yet another blow to the Queensland economy, with the state government still waiting for more than $1 billion of disaster relief funding from the federal government. Almost every major disaster since 2010 has impacted on the crucial electorates of Dawson, Capricornia and Hinkler, all of them with National Party MPs. Now, after the floods in the state's northwest, millions of dollars is on the table for primary producers, while many small businesses in hard-hit regions are missing out. The Rural Press Club recently held a fundraiser and discussion on this conundrum at the Tattersalls Club in Brisbane, featuring Mayor of the hard-hit McKinlay Shire, Belinda Murphy, and Julia Creek Grazier, Patrick Hick, who lost 6,000 head of cattle from his property in the floods. Patrick Hick says after years of drought, the floods were a particularly cruel blow. So I've seen big floods before, but um, just nothing on the scale of this. And what about going forward now? I mean, it sounds like the initial response was good. It, what's really needed for producers such as yourself now going forward? Um, the initial response really, well, the, the feeling is that it's been quite remarkable that the federal government has done what it has and the response has probably been enough to get people out there spending money and restocking their paddocks because that's what it's, the end result is we need to get cattle back in the paddocks. Um, and it's been enough to give people the confidence to get their own money out of, out of um, their bankers and go and combine it with some federal money and buy cattle to put back in the paddocks. So there has been a level of understanding, which is encouraging us, but it's hard to tell from the city sometimes whether that's actually happening. Yeah, I'm quite impressed by the federal government's response. And in saying that, um, I think it was greatly helped by the fact that the community and the producers came up with... uh, the broad outline of a plan and presented it to government and said this is what we need and government has really come all gone away and put some meat around it and that's what they've delivered. Is there a need as well for the emotional side for producers such as yourself? I mean it must be terrible for them trying to re- recover and going just thinking of what has happened and trying to keep moving. Is there a need to look after the emotional side mm. of people in this? Look the answer to that is yes but knowing it's definitely yes but knowing the sort of people we're talking about they are probably not going to walk into a councillor's office their their support is coming from the community and their community groups and social functions and we've really i've already really seen that i've seen people who are tough operators tough people who i never thought i'd be able to see visibly affected and i could see they'd like age 10 years and pretty tough people visibly affected and and then you see them you see how the way they respond to community gatherings and social events and it, it's it's uplifting for them how would you like to see people respond who want to help in this five-year recovery 
it's a bit of a tough one. I offer, I, actually, the answer I generally give to people in this is I say the best thing they can do is get up in the morning, go to work, pay their taxes. What we're seeing there, the here really is, a, is a, an issue so big it requires a government response. So my answer generally to people is get up in the morning, go to work, pay your taxes. It's, it's sort of too big for individual donations. Mm. Yeah. And hopefully some of that will flow through to the small businesses and the wider community who are struggling as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, we need we need our service towns to still be there when the, the rural businesses get up and operating again. Belinda Murphy commended the federal government for acting quickly, but says they will need assistance for years to come and would like more detail on what can be provided. I, I certainly think the generosity and support that we're receiving, um, everything from government through to NGO and communities outside the northwest, um, is still coming. And, and that's why it's important for me to come away and keep speaking about it, keep these people in front of people's minds. This is this is a marathon, it's not a sprint, this is years. Um, I read today that the national cattle herd is down now 7.1% uh, as a result of the ongoing drought but the devastation in the northwest floods. Um, the impact of the mining and resources industry in the northwest is critical. So I think... Um, whether the city likes it or not, it, it, it's going to hit them one way or another. We're all in this together. So, you yeah. spoke that it's a five-year recovery, you think, at, at this least, stage? Yeah, at least, yeah, at least. What sort of policies, what's, what, what is needed, do you think, right now for you and these communities? Uh, look, right now we're getting what we need. Um, I think the response from federal government, state government has been exceptional. Um, I think that uh, it's proportional to the disaster. Uh, it's come very quickly. Everyone's starting on the front foot. Um, and I think it's a moving feast. Um, you know, as we go along, there might be things we haven't thought about. And as I alluded to, Mother Nature is out of our control. So we may be yet to face greater challenges over the next couple of years as people are trying to recover and rebuild. And you mentioned that that initial response has been great. Do you worry further down the track um, in two or three years in the midst of this recovery, perhaps? Oh, look, I always worry um, <laughs> because, you know, uh, population-based policy, we're very small populations out in the northwest, but I tell you what, we punch well above our weight. Um, I referred to our people being really resilient, but our infrastructure, not so much. Um, more money needs to be spent, roads, rail, services in rural communities. It's critically important um, that we don't just do this as a knee-jerk reaction when we have a major disaster. We need to make things better. Has there been enough of a focus on this with this federal election campaign? I know that you can't speak too politically, mm. but I just wonder, have rural issues really been spoken of enough? Look, um, and, and I thank my other, other mayors in the northwest who've been able to do this, but, you know, we're part of a northwest rock. We've been calling for a regional deal, so increased funds for roads, for, uh, for rail, um, certainly for power, all that sort of stuff, and even local government as a whole for a greater share of taxation revenue. I mean, local government is in charge of so much infrastructure, so much of the road network, um, and we're less than 0.5% of taxation revenues returned to local government across Australia. So 
ultimately these things need to be fixed as we go along long term. Um, so it's about using these opportunities now um, to ensure we get our voice heard while people are listening. So hopefully some of the parties might actually be a bit more clear in their policies regarding this. Yes, I, I hope so, yeah. State Member for Traeger, Rob Catter, says funding is not only needed for rebuilding infrastructure, but also for rebuilding farmers' mental health. We haven't counted the cost of it yet, and you're going to get... Uh, you know, so even the mental health issues, your education issues with kids, this is going to take five years to get through. Doesn't mean you know we can't be completely indemnified against risks like this or problems like this, but um, but we, we do need to at least try and mitigate the impact. And um, and we're dealing with that now, but you, you're going to have a lot of problems. Uh, you know, governments love to just throw some money to package and hope it'll all uh, resolve itself, but then there's a lot of tinkering at the edges after that, where you've got to make sure people aren't left on the side, so they'll be. Uh, right now you've got packages that are more designed for uh, just the larger landholders. You've got a lot of up-and-coming producers in there that lease, leasehold land or just land that are going to miss out, businesses in town that miss out. So there's a lot of stuff we've got to keep on and, and it's hard to get that political clout once uh, the heat's gone out of it as an issue in, in the public arena. So, uh, yeah, there will be problems coming ahead and, um, you know, not to say the government's tried to help and doing their best, but um, we expect that uh, it's going to be... Uh, the real impact's going to be felt well, towards the latter end of this year when really uh, interest might have waned in the topic by then. What sort of policies would you like to see come in that would better look after that broad range of people, the small businesses in town that are suffering from the lack of income now? Um, look, I'd say I believe most of that charity money should be targeted towards the businesses because most of the reconstruction money that comes through from taxpayers or the government ends up in the hands of producers, which is fair enough. While the president of the Rural Press Club, Trent Thorne, is concerned that disasters such as these floods are often too soon forgotten by the wider public. Given the news cycle we live in and, and unfortunately the events that keep cropping up around the world, uh, people seem to forget or it wasn't even on their radar to begin with. It's quite sad that, you know, I don't want to use a term that Alan Jones says, but, you know, beyond the Great Dividing Range, there's a fair part of our population that has zero idea or has no, uh, no desire to know what's going on out there. But, you know, when you look at the scale of this problem and, um, you know, the fact that no one probably had been down here to Brisbane to tell what actually happened on the ground. From a committee point of view, it was just made perfect sense to share that story. Do you think it would be fair to say that this event is unprecedented? Leaning upon what Belinda had to say, you know, she's been in local government for six years. She's probably seen every level of uh, bureaucracy and the problems and difficulties and challenges of dealing with local, state, federal governments. And, and in her words, you know, this, is, this has been unprecedented in terms of the, the quick response. Um, fortunately, we've had some leaders that, and in every party who've acknowledged the problem and, and seen that, that they need to cut the usual processes out and just get things happening. So it just shows that when something needs to happen and happen quickly, it can be done. Is it even time to look at more broader insurance kind of measures that could help cover primary producers around look, the country? Look, I, I suppose it is, but then you get again, and you'd need to... When you talk about the insurance industry and the actuary tables they use and the risk, you know, uh, ratios that they consider when they, you know, factor in various premiums, um, this was an unprecedented event, and I would would assume uh, that most insurance companies or people trying to get a, a policy for their cattle it would be prohibitively expensive. So I, I, I can't see a solution here from an insurance point of view unless you've got 
you know, significant amounts of money to um, to throw against the uh, the outhouse. What about uh, with the federal election on? Have you heard much rural policy? Would you like to hear more? What's your view there? It's been an unusual campaign, I suppose, so far. There's been not my criticism. Some people have been saying there's a usual level of pork barrelling, and there's <laughs> and there's uh, some of the the announcements are too little, too late. Um, Look, at the, end, at the end of the day, I'm happy whenever people are talking about rural Australia, because it obviously, from my point of view, gets left behind in the conversations a lot of the time. Uh, a lot of the focus, uh, from my point of view, in recent times has been on this, um, the recent farm uh, and feedlot incursions, and it's, it is heartening to see that people understand that problem. So some of the policy responses there, um, it, it's been good to see it. As I said, there's been an acknowledgement there's a problem. I'm not sure at this stage they've quite hit the mark in terms of uh, the, the, the response. So what would you say finally for the city people who might be listening, what can they do to respond? It's five-year recovery. and Sometimes I think people do feel a bit helpless. Like how can we Look, possibly help? I think the best way is to, um, like any of these zones, is just get out there and experience it. Like the, 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 I think uh, these communities, they particularly the town sites, they need the continued, the tourism, the grey nomads, just to continue to act as though this never happened and, and keep heading out there, keep spending their money, keep the communities rolling along, because as much as the government's helping and these uh, charities are helping and trying to, to get a whole of community spend going with their charity initiatives, you know, it's still important that the commerce and the normal trade continues on. And that way, People will just treat this as, you know, something that's in the rear vision mirror and they'll just get on with their lives. Professor of Economics and Dean Academic of Griffith Business School, Fabrizio Carmignani, says it is clear rural policies are lacking in this federal election from all the major parties. My impression in relation to rural policies is that we have got, if you want the theory right, the implementation is missing. Uh, the implementation is missing on a number of levels. There are probably uh, uh, issues with the bureaucracy. When, when you talk about rural areas in particular, there is an overlap of federal, state and local. And my impression is that often these three levels do not necessarily cooperate or they do not cooperate to the extent that they should. There is also an obvious issue in terms of timing. Uh, often we uh, hear about promises to deliver uh, funding for infrastructure or for flood recovery but then these funding are not necessarily released timely. Uh, so again, a good idea, a good theory, with a lack of uh, timely implementation. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is the big challenge when it comes to rural economic policies. It seems that we've been chasing a lot of these funds that have been promised in Queensland, particularly for, for a while. It does look like we actually are uh, behind the payment schedule, mm -hmm. if you want. Uh, and again, this is uh, a major issue in the sense that uh, funding is necessary and the amount of funds that is being announced is quite considerable. But if these funds are not paid timely, then uh, the rural economy, of course, will suffer. It's not just a, ma a matter of how much is going to be paid. It's a matter of when mm -hmm. it's going to be paid. And if there is a delay that creates uncertainty, this, of course, will affect local businesses, farmers, and, and all the people that rely on timely support from federal, state or local government. It's the small businesses that don't seem to get, they, they don't seem to receive this funding. The, the primary producers and farmers do, but the small businesses, you know, they, that, that weren't flooded, but they're still affected by this massive loss of income. Does that really need to be looked at? It, it's extremely important because mm. if you 
if, if you think about the situation of, of, of local businesses, a small business, um, obviously you have to plan and you have to rely on some degree of certainty about the funding that you're going to receive in terms of how much and when. If you lack certainty in terms of a timeline for the fund for the funds to be released, then your entire business plan, if you want, or your entire plan to, to, to recover your business or to develop your business gets complicated, really complicated. So that's why I often, you know, when I hear, uh, especially during the campaign, promises to release that much money to that particular region, I say, great. But let's see what happens next. Because based on that announcement, local businesses will make a plan. We'll decide what to do and what not to do. And if then the, the money that has been promised gets released too late or, you know, at an uncertain point in time in the future, that very plan the businesses have made obviously is no longer valid. And this is a big problem for small businesses in rural regions, definitely. Do you think this could be part of the reason that the National Party, uh, that there's a bit of anxiety about whether people are going to support them in the level that they have before in regional areas? Yes, I, I believe that this is part of the story. There is something like a billion dollars that uh, you know, has been promised or somehow has not been paid. And, um, and obviously, this is going to have an impact on the preferences of voters. I, I believe that it's important to keep in mind that voters do listen to promises. Okay, They do listen to the promises that are made during the campaign. But it's also important to remember that uh, businesses and people are rational, so they tend to remember those promises. And if they see that the local MPs or the government or the party is not uh, maintaining the commitment to the, to the promises, they will vote against them. I mean, it's a very basic principle that, however, sometimes we seem to forget. It's not just what you promise, it's also what you deliver. And if you don't deliver on your promise, you know, you're breaking the trust, the, 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 the trust link between uh, elected representatives and voters. And once you break that trust, obviously, voters will change their preferences. Uh, one of the main complications that I see personally in implementing those policies, and that I mentioned before, is the lack of coordination at the different levels of government. Now, especially in a federal system like Australia, the coordination of the three levels of government in delivering uh, the right policies to rural areas is of fundamental importance. Is that really working? I'm not sure. I'm thinking about North Queensland. Uh, it seems to me that uh, more than coordination, there is, I don't want to say competition, but let's call it lack of coordination, the opposite of coordination. And this is, of course, uh, a, a problem because it creates uh, layers of bureaucracy that complicates the delay, slow down the disbursement mm -hmm. of um, the financial support that has been promised. Um, it's a big issue, in my opinion, and it's one of the key issues that is making our intervention in rural areas much less effective than what it could be. We don't need to have a federal agency, a state agency, and maybe a local agency all operating in the same region in sort of uh, in a competitive way. Maybe there is scope for uh, a bit of innovation in the way in which we design the layers of bureaucracy, yes. Particularly after these massive events where this local region around Julia Creek is looking at a five-year recovery to have the, the vision to put in place one agency that could coordinate all that funding. 
Absolutely. We need one agency, as you mm -hmm. said. That's very, that's very important. Uh, possibly we can think of an agency that is independent of uh, uh, government at, at the different levels. Mm -hmm. um, or, or we can think of a mechanism through which uh, there is a leading agency and the other agencies are actually supporting. Now, to some extent, this is the case on paper, but it doesn't uh, it's not reflected in practice. As I said, I often observe that these layers of bureaucracy, they operate um, uh, in, in a way that uh, essentially creates bottlenecks more than facilitating uh, operation. And at the end of the day, when you are in an area that requires recovery, what you need is a good operation, a good operational plan. Uh, you don't need to have any sort of conflict or any sort of disagreement uh, across three different levels of bureaucracy. And perhaps looking at the long term, as the, the Mayor Belinda that we spoke to today, uh, looking at that, how the local governments are this end of a very long funnel and only receive 0.5% of return of the tax, despite all that infrastructure and roads that they're responsible for, trying to make that somehow more equitable. Uh, I would like to think that, you know, we can have a system where the, both revenues and expenditure are decentralised. So the, the issue, the issue that you have is when uh, you expect a government to uh, spend or, or a government level to spend without giving that government level the possibility to collect revenues. So if you're giving uh, uh, spending responsibility to a local government, then you have to give that local government also the responsibility to collect revenues. Uh, it is very important if if there is a decentralized system that the system is fully decentralized. Otherwise, we go back to a centralized system where the spending responsibility is with the central government, say the federal level, and revenues are collected at federal level. But a situation where you have asymmetry, where spending is decentralized and revenues are centralized, it's not going to work, in my opinion. It didn't work uh, previously in other countries, and it's not going to work in Australia. Uh, Australia has, overall, a system that works better than in many other countries. But it can be improved, probably. And, and what you were saying before about local government being at the end of the chain and being able to collect only a very miserable part of revenues is evidence of the fact that the system can be improved. And that wraps up this episode of A Middle Ground. You can follow and subscribe to this Griffith University podcast on your podcast provider, iTunes or SoundCloud.